Welcome to the Ladies of the Chains Disc Golf Podcast. In today's episode, an interview with Team Ozone Discs' Nova Polite. Nova swept the Maverick Tournament Series here in the KC area in the Advanced Women's Division last year. We'll also talk about the women's global experience, being a TD, and running a league. All right, time to talk Ladies Disc Golf. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. I am Becca Kephart, and with me today is one of my all-time favorite card mates, Lupe Harada. Joining Lupe and I today is the founder of the Kansas City Disc Golf Divas, assistant tournament director of the Diva Spring Fever All-Women Tournament, marvelous human being, the OG, the mama diva herself, Rhonda Crosby. Thanks for being with us today. If you listened to the first episode, you heard Rhonda's name come up often. And Rhonda has certainly done a lot to grow the sport, especially on the woman's side of things. So yes, we are very glad you are here. So this episode is going to be just a little different uh, because we are recording a week ahead of schedule because I am going out of town this week. So there won't be any FBO wrap up. A couple things about me going out of town. So we are going to visit our four baby nieces and our brand new baby nephew. And shout out to Josh Basinger uh, over on Facebook. He made uh, us aware of a book called Gracie and the Marvelous Basket. Have you guys heard of this book? That's pretty cool. It's a kid's book about disc golf. And so I'm really, really excited uh, to give that to my baby nieces and nephew. I have to get used to saying baby nieces and nephew. I'm at least just saying baby nieces. I'll get there. And one last thing about my baby nieces, and I will try to only tell this story once on the podcast because I tell it all the time because I get such a kick out of it. But I have a two-year-old baby niece and her first name is Zoe and her last name is Dyke and her middle name is Anne. And oh put it all together gosh. and her name is Zoe Ann Dyke. <laughs> so hopefully she'll grow up to be a professional disc golfer too. So anyway, that's what I've got going on. Uh, So Lupe, tell us a little bit about how you got into disc golf and your disc golf journey. So I got into disc golf the way that a lot of people seem to have gotten into disc golf in Kansas City through the corporate challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, my One of my uh, work friends, he was part of the men's disc golf team, and they needed a woman in order to make sure we didn't forfeit any participation points. And he knew I played softball, so he asked me if I wanted to go ahead and try out disc golf. I had no idea what it was. I'd seen baskets before, but I honestly thought it was something you kicked a ball into. (laughs) I didn't know it was something you threw discs into. Um, So he sent me a bunch of links, a bunch of websites, um, including Reddit, uh, where I could find out more about disc golf. I started playing. I went to Dick's Sporting Goods and got my first set of discs. Nice. Um, you know, just beginner DX. He did warn me, try not to get anything too fast for you. She's like, he said, the speed will be re- really tempting. You'll see 14 and you'll say, that's the one I want. But <laughs> he said, take a second, step away, pick something nice, like a nine, an eight, a seven, something slow. So I played corporate challenge the first year. It was a bust, but I had a lot of fun. So I just kept doing it. This was 2016. And uh, shortly after, um, I saw that there were tournaments, there were leagues. Rhonda, I actually met her for the first time at corporate challenge. She had a table out there. She talked to us about joining the women's league, uh, and I thought it was really cool, but I actually didn't get the guts to start, you know, joining until uh, 2017. But in the meantime, I did play my first tournament, the 2016 Mac. I didn't do too great, but I met some great people. 
uh, like Anna and Sunny and a few others. So it was a lot of fun. And that's pretty much how I started playing disc golf. You know, it was just a bug. It bit me in the butt and I kept it. (laughs) (laughs) Rhonda doing the work. Yeah, I like it. All right, Rhonda. So we'll be kind of grilling you and asking you a whole bunch of questions here in a minute. But what's your disc golf story? How did you come to disc golf? Pretty much a lot like a lot of women do through a guy. (laughs) (laughs) My husband, Ben, who uh, this was uh, before we were actually married, when we were dating, um, he had heard about disc golf, took me out to Swope Park. Yep. This was in the late 19, it was in the 90s. And we had two discs, we had a cheetah and an Omega Super Soft putter. I remember yep. it was yellow. Yep. Nice. <laughs> That's what I remember. We just went out one day. It was kind of like a date. And uh, he was throwing the cheetah and I was throwing the putter. <laughs> and we just really just had a ball out there so that's really how the bug started and then from there uh found out that there was um also a course in rosedale so that was closer to us so started getting involved found out there was a new players league at rosedale um i believe jack lowe was running it at the time (laughs) started meeting some other people in in the community um Fortunate enough, of course, uh, we've had a you know an active club here in Kansas City, the KCFDC, yeah. Kansas City Flying Disc Club. Just started getting to know folks and um, started playing some leagues. Met some other ladies that played. Christy Sweaty, uh, Tavish Cardiff. Christy had been touring. I think it was a 1998, She'd been doing yeah, yeah. some touring and decided that she wanted so came back said let's let's do a women's league we actually did start a women's league in the year 2000 um at rosedale we did a thursday nights at rosedale yeah you know it started started out was two and then two became four and then (laughs) (laughs) you know (laughs) my very first tournament was here in kansas city it was called the emerald city classic Hmm. it was in 2000 yeah then we moved. Unfortunately, our our family had to. We we moved up north to Iowa for a oh, bit. For um, uh, my in, in laws lived there. Kind of took us a little bit away from disc golf. Sure. I mean, we were close. I mean, we were in, within a, a reasonable driving distance to Des Moines, mm-hmm. but really didn't have anybody to play with. Hmm. So it was mostly us. But that was a really when we also started taking the kids out. Sure. Getting the kids involved, playing disc golf. Then in 2010, I believe it was, we moved back to the Kansas City area. Hmm. Kids were grown, kids out of the house, got more time. We don't have their activities. So um, we just had more time to get involved in disc golf. Um, When we got back to the Kansas City disc golf scene, was a little um, sad that the women's league kind of had faded off. You know, life happens. So just got started getting in and more involved in it and started playing more and decided, hey, I want to revive, you know, yeah. this is going to be 2.0. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, 2011 season is when we had the uh, the, the 2.0 version okay. of the, the Ladies League. And here we are today. Very cool. All right. So now we come to a segment I call What You Been Disking. <laughs> 
where we each share one thing disc golf related we've been up to or excited about. So we'll start with you, Lupe. What do you got? So what I'm focused on right now is Corporate Challenge is back. (laughs) Uh, Tournament is, what is it, April 7th and 8th? I'm not sure which one, which day women are playing. But um, last year, I was lucky enough to have a pretty cool partner. Uh, Shout out to Tiffany. We ended up taking gold in Division B, and we're hoping to go ahead. And, Mm -hmm. well, I'm definitely hoping that we (laughs) go ahead and win gold again this year. So that's what I've been doing, practicing for corporate. I like it. What about you, Rhonda? Um, well, obviously excited about David Fever uh-huh. this year. Yeah, we'll get to that a bunch um, of it. Yes, we'll get to talk, talk about that later. Um, honestly, I'm, I'm really starting to get excited about league season this year. Yeah. Got some new um, things happen, new additions um, that I think everybody's going to, you know, have some fun with. Uh, one of the things with me, I always leave with fun. Fun is my hook, yep. right? Yep. So get the girls in, have a good time, casual, fun rounds. When it comes to competition, yes, I've played comp- com- competitive disc golf, but um, always as an am, never, you know. Sure. So when it comes to competitive, I'm not necessarily your girl. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So this year I've got, for example, Kaylee Kincaid. Right. Yeah. I'm going to do a clinic series for yeah. us. Yeah. Um, and really focus on trying to help those girls that, okay, I've played. I love it. What's next? I want to, yeah. you know, you know, really want to dig in and, and take that next step. Yeah. Um, and that's where, you know, having somebody like Kaylee yes. to kind of take over from, I'll bring them in. Fun <laughs> is our hook. You know, come on in, girl. Have a good time. But then, you know, if you want to be competitive, you know, what's next? Yeah. And I think that's important. So we've got um, some different things laid out for the upcoming season. Awesome. Yeah, and shout out to Kaylee. I went to her uh, first clinic and we worked on drives and I had like, I think my best round ever at Swope after that. Like it was just like one little tweak and it was was super cool. (laughs) All right, so for me, I just, I have to say a really, really big and heartfelt thank you. Um, Thank you to everyone that listened uh, to our first episode, everyone that left words of encouragement. Um, Thank you to everyone who submitted questions on Facebook. We'll get to all of them in this and future episodes. Certainly a big shout out and thank you to Valerie Jenkins uh, for her support and her shares on social media. I also want to thank Rob, our first Patreon supporter who got in there before I even said anything about it. So thank you, Rob. Uh, And also shout out to our first paying sponsor, Ducks Flying Discs. Uh, Definitely check them out on Facebook. Again, uh, before I even said anything about it, uh, Ducks uh, stepped in with an ad spot. And also Duck wanted me to mention the upcoming Park City Tournament on April 14th and 15th down Wichita Way. Uh, He's offering $500 for the FPO winner. So if you play open, uh, get down there. That sounds like a really fun tournament to play. And I'll have more info about sponsoring the podcast and Patreon uh, at the end of the episode. So since Rhonda's here, I was kind of thinking back upon all my times with Rhonda last year uh, coming to Uh, the Divas League for the first time. And I very much remember my first round that I ever played with you. You probably don't remember, and that's totally fine. (laughs) But I remember my first round, I pretty much was just playing with one driver and one putter, kind of speaking Uh your story, right? Uh And it was that champion beast on the wall over there. And it was like the only disc I was like kind of comfortable with playing. And I was just laughing because I very much remember a conversation because I did an approach shot with it and it faded really hard. And you were like, well, hey, you know, if you threw a mid range there, you might 
not have quite as much fade and a little more control. And I was like, okay, what are some mid ranges to get? And I remember what you told me because I had to have you tell me it twice so I'd remember. And you recommended a rock or a buzz, which just cracks me up now because I very much know what those discs are. <laughs> but at the time I was like, okay, mental note, I got to remember rock and buzz. And I went out and got a rock that week. So in the spirit of that story, I thought we would play three discs where we each recommend three discs that we would recommend to a beginning player we'll do a putter mid-range and driver we'll go run one at a time and i think it'll be fun i think we'll have a very different recommendation so lupe hit me with your putter okay so my putter um i started with an avr a dx avr but now i feel like the best putter for me personally and maybe for a beginner as well is a classic hard warden those are popular you know i really just love the way that it flies yeah. it has a nice little fade and and that's really nice especially when you're starting out because you know you're not going to be aiming for the middle of the pin i didn't know that was a thing until much later they're like hey aim for the pin i'm like you can do that (laughs) (laughs) so uh definitely a warden cool for sure what do you got for a putter Rhonda? putters to me are real personal yeah they're hard to recommend so but it's it's really i think it's real important it's comfortable in your hand yeah Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. But, I mean, yes, definitely AVRs are good, you know, for any yeah. beginning player. So yeah. if I was going to pick one, I would say an, an AVR. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm going to go with an Axiom Plasma Envy. It's kind of a great everything putter, a good approach shot um, putter, as well as a good putting putter. So that's what I'm going to go with. Uh, for mid-ranges, we'll go the opposite direction. I'm going to go <laughs> stay on brand and go with an Axiom Alias. It's a really easy to throw mid-range. It's also a very true mid-range. It will reveal lots of things about your form um, for sure. So Rhonda, what do you have for a mid-range? <laughs> I guess I already know, right? <laughs> <laughs> mid-range, because I'm a rock girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, a rocks. Also, uh, the Latitude 64 Pearls. Yeah, yeah. Um, in the lighter weights, um, those are, I, I feel, I always have um, in some of my clinic bags and league bags, I always make sure mm-hmm. I have some of those. Junior players especially yeah. will love those. Yeah. What do you got, Lupe? Okay. Uh, I really recommend the Fuse. Okay. Latitude 64 Fuse. It's a slightly understable uh, mid-range. It has incredible glide. When you yeah. first start out, it's going to, you know, it's still going to fade left a, a bit. So it's good for maybe a windier day, but it's going to make you feel like a million bucks when you throw it out. <laughs> and, you know, it just yep. picks up a little wind and it goes further than anything else you've ever thrown does. That's awesome. All right. What do you have for a driver, Lupe? I really, really like Valkyries for beginners, especially DX Valkyries. You know, everybody talks about DX like one hit of a tree and, you know, it's a totally different disc, but I think it's a great beginner disc just because they have so many different weights. Mm -hmm. Um, If you ask me now what I think is great, it's a hatchet, but for beginners, definitely Valkyrie. Yeah. Well, I definitely recommend even when we're talking about specific discs, but when we talk about plastic type. Yeah. When you're just starting, I recommend DX plastic. It's low cost. For sure. You yep. can figure out what works for you, you know, at a lower entry point. And then, you know, if you find something that you like in DX and you want some a little bit more, you know, stable plastic, uh, sturdier, longer lasting plastic, then you can, you know, add the 
you know, invest in it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but driver wise, typically I tend to go with leopards mm-hmm. uh, for ladies. The latitude sixty four that the diamonds. Yeah. Yes. Um, matter of fact, one of our first runs of disc golf divas disc <laughs> were diamonds. Right. So. Yeah, right. Uh, so yeah, diamonds uh, and leopards primarily. Yeah. Is and just like to piggyback on what Rhonda said about DX plastic yeah. being so great, with Innova being so accessible, it's in like a Dick's Sporting Goods. Sure. It's in mm-hmm. any store right. you, that yeah. might sell some athletic equipment. Right. Walmart's now carry yeah. Innova, so um, for sure DX plastic. Yeah. Awesome. So here comes my last Axiom recommendation. <laughs> I just figured I'd go all Axiom since <laughs> that's what I throw. But... The I would recommend for a driver, they have a fairway driver called the Crave, and I would recommend it in a 152 plasma plastic. It's just super easy to throw, and it's a really, really fun disc. Now I'm going to give one more of a different brand because I was talking about uh, visiting my nieces, and I've got a six-year-old niece named Megan, and she's so excited about disc golf. I'm so <laughs> sad she lives so far away because I would love to do more with her. But I bought all of my nieces uh, an Innova Mirage. Have you heard of this disc? Yeah, the, one of the Women's Global Years we had, uh, that was one of the player discs, I, be- I believe. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was it's a just It's mm-hmm. a crazy, crazy low-profile putter. And, man, she hucks it really, really good. Uh, like, I can put as much hyzer on it as I can possibly muster, and it st- still turns into a roller. Mm-hmm. Um, but for her little six-year-old arm, it's it's awesome. Nice. So, cool. All right, y'all. We're going to take a short break, and we come back, our topic of the week. Ladies of the Chains is proudly supported by Ducks Flying Discs, offering all players a country club-level experience on all of the top brands in disc golf. Mention Ladies of the Chains and receive 10% off your next order. Find them on Facebook or call them at 316-765-2334. Also visit their website, ducksflyingdiscs.com. Welcome back. As we mentioned on the last podcast, this year is a women's global event year. The WGE started in 2012 and happens every two years. Rhonda is co-running our local WGE event. And as I mentioned before, she also founded the Disc Golf Divas. And we have an opportunity today to talk more about the WGE being a TD and running a women's league. So Rhonda, can you tell us a little bit about how the WGE works? So this is the fourth women's global event. The PDGA Women's Committee has done a fantastic job of growing this event every single event year. There are multiple events all over the world simultaneously happening. They're playing and competing at their local level, their local event, but they're also competing globally with the uh, women in their same division in events all over the world. Okay. So it kind of it virtually creates, you know, a the largest women's event on on the planet on the right. in the world uh, every other year and it grows every year and this year they're on track for uh, even more countries represented, even more states represented. Yeah. Yeah, there's um They've got some really huge goals this year. Uh, Val was on um, PDGA Radio. Uh, it'll be a couple episodes back now um, where she talked about it. And you can uh, find the Women's Global event on Facebook, um, and they've got a graphic. The second Diva Spring FIVA was a WGE event 
Can you talk a little bit about that experience and just how yeah, that Yeah, honestly, we the reason we even um, started the Diva Fever in 2015 was that we wanted to, just right out of the gate, we already knew we wanted this to tie into women's global events every okay. other year. Cool. So we purposely chose the the weekend that we did for that fact in 2015. Okay. okay. So 2015 was kind of our let's let's throw this out there and see see sure. what happens, you know. Right. And hopefully in 2016 we can grow this and have a women's global event. Um, 2015, you know, we were thinking, you know, if we can get 25, 30 girls out here, that'd be a good time, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we ended up, uh, we got 60 mm-hmm. that first year. Yep. So definitely far exceeded our expectations. Um, and it's just, just been growing from there. Uh, Women's Global Year, year in uh, 2016, we um, also had, I, I think we had like six. Okay. I believe. Yeah. So um, growing every year. Thinking back when we started this, talking about wanting to do a women's event, really it was, wasn't really a tournament. We just was like, let's put together a fun women's event. Sure. A fun experience for the women. And women have just been showing up year <laughs> after year. And it's, it's, it's a phenomenal experience. This year is actually going to be bigger than ever. Grown to... To uh, doing two courses now. Yeah, Yeah, cool. That's really great. And uh, Joan over on Facebook asked about the virtual player packs. And that was something I was wondering about too. So if you sign up for a WGE event, uh, you do get a virtual player pack. So I asked Val Jenkins and here's what she gave me. She said, the VBP will basically be a hidden link we send via email to all WGE participants with coupons and deals to use on a variety of websites for WGE apparel and discs, disc golf gloves, sunglasses, etc. And they're uh, currently finalizing all their sponsorship. So they'll be making a post soon with the details of what offers are going to be provided. So I'm pretty excited about that. I know MVP is one of the sponsors. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, and if you're interested in seeing if there's a WGE in your area and aren't sure, or even if you're just interested in an all-women's tournament and you don't know how to find them, if you go to pdga.com and just look at the upcoming events, there's an advanced search option where you can search uh, locations near you, or you can just look at the whole calendar because anything highlighted in pink, that's going to be an all-women event. And uh, all the all-women events that are part of the WGE will be taking place on May 12th. And I encourage you to go look anyway. It's really exciting. Uh, If you go and look at uh, the PDGA.com, because there are already just tournaments all over the world. Um, Like there's Croatia, there's Slovakia. It's really, really exciting. Val put together a really cool video. I don't know if y'all saw it on Facebook. um, Oh, yeah. Where there's... International Women's Day. yeah, Yeah. Women from all over the world, you know, inviting you to the WGE. So go watch that video, get pumped, sign up if you haven't already uh, for a tournament. So Rhonda, uh, you started the KC Diva Spring Fever Tournament, and it has grown, like you said, from around 60 players to currently we have 123 signed up for this year's. Uh, so what made you decide to start the Spring Fever Tournament, and what do you think has made it so successful? Kind of answer those in reverse order. Sure. I think what's made it so successful is I really have kind of applied the same thing that I do with the league. Mm-hmm. And, you know, fun is the hook. Yeah. 
not so much competition. We want to teach the ladies, you know, proper uh, rules right. in, uh, in tournament play, but still keeping fun as a hook and making it comfortable, uh, a, a comfortable, fun experience for the ladies, yeah. um, much like we do the league. So approaching it, that, that that's always been the approach. Yeah. Why we started it, I would say it started really um, in... Uh, I went to the U.S. Women's in 2012 uh, in uh, Huntsville, Alabama. Oh, wow, cool. Had a great time. It was such a great experience. That was also the first year of the Women's Global event. We, uh, a group of us, we were young disc golf divas, you know, just, <laughs> we just started. So there's just a handful of us. Uh, we all went to uh, and traveled to a Women's Global event that year. Uh, did the same, traveled in 2014. Yeah to um an event actually miranda in uh, wichita put on that event so traveled there and just we just talked um the girls and it's like why can't we have this in kansas city that's how it started it's like let's put together an event why don't we get started right away and plan something next year very cool um so kind of speaking to that point our friend Kim asked on Facebook, what challenges do you have in setting up a women's tournament? And what advice would you give someone wanting to run a women's event, WG or otherwise? Number one, don't get caught up so much in the term tournament director. Sure. That term is kind of ominous in itself. I mean, it's just think of yourself as an ambassador for women in disc golf. Being a tournament director is just kind of like, you know, a side part of that. It's, you know, part of the details that has to happen uh, to put on a women's event. Uh, But just um, really just focus on the experience that you want to create for the women. You know, what 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 memories do you want them to have? And focus on that, and the and the rest of it will follow. Get if you are fortunate to have a local club, get in. You know, get involved with your local club. They will be your biggest supporters. Um, Obviously, you're gonna want want most of the women to be playing in the event. So, you know, the guys, they're gonna be your volunteers. They're gonna be your supporters on that event. So. Number one, I would say get involved in your local community and local club if you have one. Absolutely. Very cool. All right. So this is kind of a related uh, question to tournament play I meant to address last week but failed to. And uh, Jenny asked a really good question over on Facebook. Uh, She asked, what division should you play in? Should you play where your rating says or where you feel most comfortable? Or should you play in a division that is higher than what your rating suggests. And I think this is a good question to talk about now because I think it's a little bit mm-hmm. different um, if you're playing just in you know, your local C-tier, everybody kind of play uh, event versus an all-women's event. I think it's a little bit different. So I don't know, Lupe, what do you think? I definitely think it, it should match up with your level of comfort. Yeah. I know some people... The word tournament can be really intimidating. Absolutely. You know, you, mm-hmm. you're thinking everybody here is ready to go. They're going to be super competitive. Um, luckily, that hasn't been my experience. Um, yeah. People are competitive, but most women that I've played with have been, you know, really relaxed. You make a lot of friends. And I am a firm believer in playing up. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I've recently started doing that. I started with rec because a lot of tournaments didn't have a novice. So rec was the lowest I could sure. go at the time. Um, but I've started moving up into uh, intermediate because okay. I find that I'm able to keep up with these women who have been playing for so much longer if I'm exposed to them. Because yes. one, I'm going to want to play up. I'm going to want to, you know, really focus on my shots the way that they do. But also they have some great advice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I've played yeah. with Kim and Nova and Liz and, and Crispian and they're fantastic in the sense that they, they make you feel welcome. Yeah. They never make you feel like your shot was awful and like you should just quit and burn your discs you know (laughs) they always tell you hey you know maybe if you throw it this way or you know threw a really good shot there but um have you considered maybe disking down or something right you know it's it's just play where you feel comfortable but just remember that if you want to be competitive not everybody does but if you really do want to start playing at a higher level do it you know, you're never going to find anyone, at least not in Kansas City, who's going to say, don't do it. Like, it's awful once yeah. you move up. And I think that's key. It, it, it really depends on where your passion. Are you happy with just being a casual, right. you know, for yeah. fun golfer? Or are you really wanting to look into more in competitive rounds? Mm-hmm. If you're more leaning toward the competitive side, mm-hmm. I definitely say step out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Um, you be so, us as women, we tend to... We don't give us ourselves the credit we're due, you know, but yeah, definitely feel confident to move up. The women are, are going to be supportive no matter what division. I know they're going to be supportive of you no matter what you're playing. You know, we're women where we, that that's what we do. Yeah. And I definitely agree with all of that. Um, There are some just kind of general guidelines on the pdga.com website and i'll post a link to that on our facebook page that kind of helped me kind of think through where i was at when i played in my very first tournament which was the um diva spring fever last year and again it's a little bit different because you really have your choice at an all-women's tournament especially with that many players Mm -hmm. of playing whatever division you want to um, and I played rec and I'm glad I did uh, for sure because I was um, I just hadn't, hadn't played a tournament before wasn't used to how it worked and everything like that uh, and I definitely have a desire to be as competitive as I can be but I will tell you the honest truth <laughs> when I found out that uh, rec at all other tournaments was uh, trophy only I was like that doesn't make any sense to me because I'm not as worried about winning and if I have a really good day then I actually get a payout if I play up so that was like kind of my initial motivator (laughs) (laughs) just kind of a practical thing but to Lupe's point too I would much rather be playing with people that will challenge me and that I can learn from at this point especially where I'm at um in my current uh just you know how long I've been playing like I played my fifth tournament ever last uh yesterday uh, and I just learned so much every time. So awesome. I think that's some really good advice. All right. So one last question here for you, Rhonda, before we move on. Uh, what made you decide to start a women's league and how did you do it? It started when we moved back to Kansas City. Right. What we did was uh, Ben decided he was the league director for the New Players League at Rosedale. Oh, yeah. sure. And so I started the women's league same night simultaneously and that worked out real well because the guys you know would be there and then encourage them to bring girls and the girl i'd take the girls and he'd take the guys and it worked out really if the you know 
depending on the attendance, if it were just a few, then we would kind of like, you know, join and kind of do like a mixed doubles or something like that. Um, so yeah, it, uh, started out and that was in 2011 and it just kind of just grew from there. Yeah, that's really cool. And I thought it'd be good for Lupe and I to kind of talk about our experiences at um, the Divas League because it's real good. Uh, so yeah, Lupe, tell us about your experience. Yeah, so um, the first time I ever went to a Diva League, it was about a year after uh, Rhonda had chatted me up about the league itself. I was a little nervous at first, to be totally honest. Um, but that's just me. I get really nervous before I actually have to do something. Right. <laughs> um, first day I showed up, she asked me, is this your first time here? You know, I got to meet her. She introduced me to everybody who was just standing around. So that was, that already like made my level of confidence a little bit higher. Um, since I wasn't so worried about just, you know, standing there with strangers. Yeah. Um, she, there were quite a few people there. So she put me on the same card as her. So I at least know somebody that I was yeah. playing with and, and you know, that just really made me feel comfortable. And I think that's very important, especially when you have someone who it already took me a year to try to get out there. And after talking to a lot of people, you know, just to give it a shot. And once I got there, it was super welcoming and and they made it a lot of fun. It was never stuffy. Uh, Wasn't so much a worry about what the rules are. We still played by the rules, you know, mark your disc, all that good stuff. But it was more of a, you know, if you don't do it, it's not a big deal. You'll learn with us. It's kind of interesting to your point, because I really appreciate sort of the the tournament play aspect of leagues most weeks, uh, because that's how I learned between, you know, watching a ton of YouTube videos and going to league of what the rules of disc golf really were. And, you know, learning about... um, how to do tournament play was was really exciting for me because again to your point i really wanted to be a competitive player mm-hmm. and i think that's the nice thing about the divas league is there's there's room for both yeah right you know like what Rhonda said about okay if you really want to be competitive <laughs> i'll send you along your way <laughs> and we can i'm make not your girl fun. but i got a girl for you oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. again to your she point help you i really wanted to be competitive but when i first showed up i was not ready to be um and i definitely didn't know a lot of things and i yeah. and i just learned a lot um so that was really helpful and yeah it made it easy to get into disc golf it made it easy for me to pursue my passion i don't really know what that would have looked like if i hadn't had the league to go to um it would have been a lot different so definitely a good thing yeah and the great thing also when she when you first show up you get put into a card with people who ron already knows are going to be really supportive about what you're doing because you have all types of different level players with disc golf divas sometimes Mm -hmm. you have kim out there who's a pro and you know just smashing that disc and you're well and not just that we're women so we got so many different personalities and you know and i also I, i tried one of the challenges with a women's league is to try to not make it be clickish. Yeah, that's a really good point. So, you know, and trying to make sure that you know you mix up the cards and it, yeah. it, because yeah. you know as women we can't we tend we can tend to be you know kind of clickish, Absolutely. and I didn't want that to you know yeah. be yeah. a part of it and make everybody be welcome no matter what. Yeah, and 
with that, I mean, I think I've had a chance to play with literally every person that I've ever seen at a league, Mm -hmm. at a women's league. Um, And that's just really great. Like, I enjoy so much playing with all these different women and personalities. And and they're all so helpful in their own way. Different ways, yeah. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, my interview with Team Ozone Discs, Nova Police. The fourth annual KC Diva Spring Fever is coming up on May 12th. This tournament has become one of the most anticipated and well-attended female-only disc golf events of the year. For 2018, it is also a part of the PDGA Women's Global Event. These women-only tournaments will be run simultaneously around the world to virtually create the largest women's tournament on the planet. In addition to the competitors, there will be countless volunteers and spectators at the event that will be exposed to your business and brand. If you are interested in sponsoring or supporting this very special tournament, please visit kcdiscgolfdivas.com. All right, I am here with Nova Polite. She swept the Maverick Tournament Series here in the KC area last year in the Advanced Women's Division. Welcome, Nova. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. All right, so what brought you to disc golf and how long have you been playing? Well, it's uh, funny you should ask. Okay, it's not funny you told me in advance you would ask. (laughs) It's actually, uh, I want to say August of 1983. Nice. So I'm old. I was in uh, junior high school. That's middle school out here in this part of the country. And uh, our family was considering moving to the Kansas City area. Uh, Pretty hard, actually. We were house shopping. One day I was out with my father. I was in the passenger seat of his uh, Corvette, because that's a thing that 40-year-olds drove in 1983. And we uh, went past what I now know as uh, Swope Park. Um, went up Elmwood right along hole four and uh, saw some fellas out in shorts on an August uh, weekday. And they're throwing at these baskets and they're throwing frisbees. And they were frisbees back in 83. I, I don't remember it specifically. I made a note that that is a thing that people do. And then the rest of my life happened and I didn't follow up on it. And then I honestly don't know how the thought sprang into my head, but in April of 2015, apropos of nothing, uh, frisbee golf or disc golf just jumped into my head and I said, huh, I wonder if that is a thing that people still do because that really looked interesting, you know, 32 years ago. So I uh, Googled it, found a lot of hits, went to the wiki article, read the rules, said it looked pretty fun to myself. Uh, found a course uh, that turns out it was a DG course review and uh, pulled up their map and found out that I lived literally across the street from a course. It was hidden by a tree line. (laughs) Otherwise, I I had no way of knowing. I had been across the street from this thing for 10 years. So I uh, read the rules online, uh, went to Amazon.com, and here's a switch. I read their reviews of the various starter packs and then drove to a brick and mortar store to make the pickup because I did not want to wait for shipping. Got the Innova starter pack, printed off a scorecard, uh, went across the street with my three discs and played my first round on uh, the 7th of April, 2015. And I still have that scorecard. Looked at it earlier today when I was doing my research to remember exactly what the date was. Uh, 32 days later, on the 9th of May, I played in my first competitive tournament, Dang, the right. Diva Spring Fever, yeah. and that was at Swope Park, right? which brings it full circle. Yeah, that's awesome. That's so cool. So you started playing a tournament really, really fast. Uh, 
was it kind of at that tournament that you decided that, yeah, this is for me, I'm all in, I'm going to keep going? Or was it a little bit more of an evolution than that? Well, first off, the the Diva Spring Fever is an absolutely fantastic right. tournament. Oh, yeah. um, it would be easy for anybody to get hooked on the sport by, by going and playing there. That said, um, I I went into disc golf pretty much with my foot to the floor on the gas yeah. to start with. It's how I roll. Yeah. I decide that I'm going to do a thing and I just go crazy. This will be kind of an interesting question to ask you, being that you just said that, you know, you were just kind of pedaled to the metal, ready to go right away. Uh, but what advice would you give to someone in the first year of playing? Like for you, what was your first year like? Um, what do you wish maybe someone would have told you in that beginning time? That's a, that's a question that I'm almost reluctant to answer because when a, a new player um, comes into the sport, it seems like well-intentioned people yeah. dogpile yeah, on, on the new player with a, with a lot of contradictory advice <laughs> of questionable value. Right. And I'm almost afraid to join the dog pile. Yeah. That said, here we go. <laughs> I think my advice would have nothing to do with how to throw a disc yeah. or which disc to throw, but instead to determine why it is you're playing disc golf mm -hmm. and know what you want to get out of it and follow that star. You know, whether you're incrementing a step counter or you're spending time with the dogs or you're enjoying walks in nature or you're spending time with friends, uh, you know, playing a really great game, you know, whether you're doing it in pickup or with a, a weekly group or if you're competing in uh, PDGA sanctioned events, know what it is you wish to do and what you want to get out of the sport mm -hmm. and let that guide the decisions that you make going forward. As far as uh, what I wish someone would have told me in my first year, I, again, a lot of people told me a lot of things. Uh, the one thing nobody told me that I wish somebody would have told me is that the truest measure of any disc's usefulness is what it does when I throw it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, regardless of the online reviews yep. or advice from friends yep. or what they say it does when they throw it or the specifications on the manufacturer's website, yep. what really matters in the end is what does the disc do when I throw it yep. and do I need a disc that does that thing? Right. And if I do, I'll take it. So you've played in a variety of divisions, being that you just jumped into the tournament thing right away. Um, so can you kind of describe your journey of playing in various divisions and the most noticeable differences you've kind of seen between playing uh, amateur divisions and pro divisions? I'll be glad to. Uh, in my first year, that was 2015, I uh, played uh, rec in my very first tournament in May and then in a, another tournament later in May. Promptly, I don't want to say I moved up. It was um, it was a lateral move, sure. uh, given the depth of the talent pool locally. Sure. That I simply started playing intermediate uh, immediately afterwards and played mm -hmm. intermediate for most yep. of the summer. Uh, intermediate is something of the default division for beginning around here. Um, rec and novice are rarely offered anyway. Uh, but then in September of 2015, um, I started playing advanced. By October and November, I was moving into open and was a few throws off of getting my first money. If I hadn't lost a autumn orange <laughs> renegade in autumn leaves, right. which cost me like four strokes, 
Uh, if, you, if you factor the penalty for the lost disc, the rethrow, uh, the really big hit in my concentration, it was... So, the, yeah, that was a $225 Renegade. Oh, no. <laughs> I love it. I think the thing that I uh, most noticed in uh, moving through the AM divisions and the Pro divisions is that they are not anywhere as neatly homogenous as I had imagined they would be. Mm. There is... Almost no blanket statement which could be made about any division uh, because uh, different people are playing the sport for different reasons. And the reason they play and the attitude they bring to the game is not necessarily linked to their skill level or their age Mm -hmm. or whether or not they've taken money, whether they're playing am or pro. There are players who are driven to win. There are players who are there to have a good time walking with friends. There are players who are there for a sweet players pack and a week-long party. (laughs) And there's a dozen other variations, and you can find all of them in nearly every division. Um, that said, there is, loosely speaking, and with some exceptions, an increasing expectation to know the rules and to follow good tournament etiquette as one moves from lower-rated AM divisions into the Open division. All right, so you played around 19 tournaments last year. And I don't know if you have a favorite from last year. And what do you typically consider when you're picking a tournament to play in? Well, I think my favorite last year would have been the Limestone Classic. Uh, That was in uh, July in Cottonwood Falls, Kansas. And the reason I'm picking such a small tournament in such a small town, um, it has nothing to do with the course, but it is a great course designed by uh, Eric McCabe or the amenities there, but Rob Martin does put on a great tournament, or even the competition, because I was actually the only player in advanced that day. I had driven out the morning before to practice the course because I'd never played it. I crashed on a friend's living room floor uh, in a sleeping bag a half hour away uh, overnight, and then I drove to the course again uh, the next dawn. So it felt a little bit like I was living a watered-down version of the touring dream at that point. (laughs) You know, living out of a car, sleeping on a floor, eating sandwiches I'd packed in a cooler because it's cheaper. It was a swelteringly hot day. It was the middle of Kansas in the middle of July. It was 90 degrees the moment the sun broke the horizon. And it was approaching 100 before noon. And there was an even hotter wind blasting from the south. And again, I was the only player in advance. There were three women in intermediate and two in recreational. So Rob, the tournament director, had grouped uh, the other five women into their a card of five for the first round. And I was put on a card with four men in one of their divisions. That's a thing that happens. Yep. Um, I think owing to the withering heat, uh, one of the intermediate players... And the entire recreational division quit at the lunch break, uh, leaving just the two players in intermediate. Uh, But none of them had uh, told Rob they were leaving. So he laid out all the cards again for the second round and put them on the board. And the two players who were left on their card were looking at each other, looking around for the other players, and they knew they'd left. So they said, Rob, you know... um, they're gone. It's just the two of us. And the PDGA rule is you have to have three on a card. And the reason for that is if one person does something wrong, you need two people to say you did something wrong and to make it stick. You, there's simply, you don't have a quorum if you have a card of two. And uh, there was like five minutes before the horn was going to blow to start the round. So Rob was in a bit of a situation 
And I happened to be right there in the pavilion when all this was going down. So I said, Rob, I'm on a card with four guys. I'll play with them. And Rob was like, you're sure? And I'm like, yeah, the four guys will be on a card of four instead of five. They're going to go faster. We'll be on a card of three. We're going to be cooking. It's going to work. And I told all of that story just to set up this part. When I suggested this, I can't remember if it was uh, Jackie Morris or uh, Molly uh, Mikhailovich. I'm sure I just butchered her last name. I don't remember which of the two said it, and I wish I could remember. But she said, wait, we get to play with Nova? And there was like this excitement and enthusiasm there that I had never heard before when it comes to playing with me. She said it with the same tone of voice that someone would use when they're saying, wait, you're, we're going to play with Paige Pierce? Or we yeah. get to play with Val Jenkins? Because yeah, yeah. I, am, I am not used to being the cool girl. Um, you know, even in a B tier, you know, way out in the middle of Kansas for this brief moment, I felt like I mattered. Also, Cottonwood Falls is a tiny town. It's like 900 people tiny. It's 10 streets wide and nine streets tall with one stoplight tiny. Um, the mayor came out to the players meeting. That's awesome. Um, to personally welcome us because, I mean, we had 10% of the population of his town standing right. there. <laughs> The Parks Department had put up one of those big flashing highway construction signs, and it was flashing disc golf tournament, July 15th, uh, right on the edge of town. And some residents who didn't even play disc golf had come out to the park in the heat with their lawn chairs and set them up off to one side where they could see several of the holes. Um, I, I, made, I made sure to go over and thank them for coming out because having so spectators cool. is neat. So right? in a really weird way, this... Tiny B-tier out in the middle of Kansas was like being on Tiny Tour. Yeah. That's what made this my favorite tournament of the year uh, over several majors right. and A-tiers. No, that, that, nothing stacks up to that. Cool. So uh, you recently got sponsored by Ozone Discs, which is a newer disc company. Uh, so can you tell us a little bit about Ozone Discs and uh, what the discs themselves are like? I'll be glad to. Uh, Ozone Discs is uh, based in Lincoln Park, New Jersey. Uh, it was started in 2014 by two brothers, Stephen and Mike D'Angelo, as an online shop focusing on disc golf brands from outside the U.S. or lesser thrown brands, uh, such as Prodiscus, Castaplast, uh, Yukun. Um, and, and others. Uh, they also ran a successful Kickstarter campaign to make a new kind of disc with a removable core, which of course would would not be PDGA legal. I mean, it's still it was still interesting. That was an exercise in marketing and manufacturing because they learned a lot about actually getting a disc made and into the hands of people that way. And from what they learned, they did uh, produce uh, using 3D printing. Uh, two unique molds of their own, uh, the Hyperion, an overstable driver, and the Andro C, which is a, sort of a hybrid between a fairway driver and a mid-range, and have produced runs of both of the Ozone Discs, just as they're um, increasing their size, uh, decided that having a, a team in 2018 would be the way to go to increase word of mouth of the product, and I'm really flattered to be a part of it. Uh, it's it's kind of fun to get in at the start like this. Cool. That's fantastic. All right. So what are your goals uh, for disc golf for this season? Well, I don't have any bullet point goals. Sure. Like win two majors <laughs> or be rated 900 right. or defeat my nemesis and head-to-head -head competition. 
or or anything like that. I've got goals of progression. Yeah. I'm looking to uh, continue to improve my form on my drives because, boy, how do you use my reach back ugly right now? What I hope to get from that is to get more distance on more controlled lines and to refine my upshots, uh, to keep tuning my mental game, uh, which I think is the key to everything. Mm-hmm. And And bits and pieces of my game like that. I think that if I actively practice good form and good habits, the results will come. And then at the end of 2018, I can look back at the bullet holes in the side of the barn and paint targets around them and say, look, I hit them all. Yeah, awesome. And, you know, conveniently ignore all the bullets that missed, you know, the broad side of the barn. We shall never speak of those again. Yeah, no, that's really great. I really like that approach. That's awesome. All right, well, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for sitting down and talking with me today. Oh, thanks for having me. And we're back. We've reached the listener questions portion of our show. If you would like to ask a question or suggest a discussion topic, you can reach us on Facebook or email us at ladiesofthechains at gmail.com. Today's question comes from our friend Jerry Patterson with Launchpad Disc Golf. He asks, what would ladies like to see in players packs? So Rhonda, you'll kind of have a unique perspective as someone who has given out player packs. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. Have you gotten any requests? Have you found some things that have been successful um i haven't really got any you know they saying hey how about this and player specs sure. um other than maybe our initial planning team you know mm-hmm. we've all got uh a- opinion on that um definitely things that are useful like i think everybody's kind of over sticker we've got a million stickers sure. <laughs> and uh, things like that, uh, things that they can actually readily use on the course, yes. most definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, and it could be anything from like band-aids to, <laughs> to lip balm, sunscreen, yep. you know, things that they can actually use, utilize like tissues, you know, even just uh, some tissues that they can put in their bag. Um, I'm a very, very simple person. So if you can give me a stick of gum, I'm happy. (laughs) Because sometimes you just need, you know, something to focus on while your scores are, you know, getting higher and higher. Um, I, I, I know people are over stickers, but I'm a sucker for a good sticker. (laughs) I, I wallpaper my, uh, my water bottles with yeah. disc golf related stickers <laughs> shout out yeah. to rob martin because i love yeah. that smoky the bear sticker yeah, i need right. some more <laughs> but yeah uh gum definitely tissue um i know sometimes those rounds can be really long and people forget about yeah. things like tissue and chapstick and sometimes band-aids really really come in handy yeah. so definitely consider more utilitarian items Absolutely. And i think everybody loves a good t-shirt Oh yeah, um, Memor- yeah. Just to memorialize your your event experience, yeah, t-shirt. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I think t-shirts more so disc. You know, right. event disc, yes, but t-shirts. I think more so because they're not a specific disc. You know, if you're, right. you know, if you're talking about like sponsor player, maybe they can, right. they can't throw it. Yeah. Uh, it's just not a disc for them. So. All right, I think that's great. So, ladies, we've made it to the end of our show. Do y'all have any shout outs before we get out of here? I do, actually. Another thing I'm pretty excited about this year is we are actually going to be vending at the Glassblown Open, the players party this year, the block party. So come see us at GBO on Saturday night. I like it. 
Yeah. And uh, on my end, I just want to give a shout out to, you know, everybody who continues to encourage the women in their lives to participate in disc golf, because the more of them that there are, the bigger our events can get, the more of a focus that can be put on women's disc golf, you know, all around, it's just a good thing. And, and maybe, you know, in a few years, it'll be like women's disc golf wasn't a big thing before, you know, people ask themselves that. Awesome. And to your point, I'm so glad you said that because I almost forgot. (laughs) Uh, Udisc Josh that I mentioned last week uh, sent me those stats about the views on uh, the Udisc website. So I'm just going to read what he gave me. So over the first two events of 2018, the Vegas and Memorial, uh, 17.8 thousand users viewed FPO scores on Udisc Live. And that was just over a third of overall users on the site. And just over 100,000 page views of FPO scoring, uh, averaging three hours and 45 minutes following the FPO scores. Um, And what's really exciting is that is over double the total viewers on FPO compared to the average from last year. And they're up 20% of site visitors checking FPO to 33%. So that's some major growth, which is really, really exciting. So again... Can't say enough good things about UDisc. Um, I'm really glad everyone's saying good things about <laughs> UDisc because they should be because they are awesome. Uh, but like we talked about on the last episode, you know, getting uh, more eyes on the coverage is only going to lead to good things. Keep watching, ladies. Yep. Because yep. those are, uh, you know, hard numbers that we can go to sponsors both within and without disc golf for. And then we can get more people doing coverage. Uh, so very cool. All right. That's our show. Thank you so much for listening. My thanks to Rhonda, Lupe, and Nova for joining me today. If you are interested in supporting the podcast, visit our website, ladiesofthechains.com, where you can click on the support button or email us if you are interested in a sponsorship. Uh, Your support will enable the podcast to continue to grow. We're in the process of coming up with some cool rewards and other special things for Patreon supporters. You can also find us on Facebook or email us your questions and comments to ladiesofthechains at gmail.com. If you enjoy the podcast, if you would be so kind to rate us on iTunes or whatever platform you are listening on, that'll help more people find us. Have a great couple of weeks, and we'll see you next time here on the Ladies of the Chains Disc Golf Podcast.